0: greetings everyone and welcome back to the house of a thousand discourses in this episode part two i tom stone will be interviewing the voice and creator of this controversial podcast which always leaves you with so much propaganda you begin to question life itself with me obviously is the most humblest selfless man that i know darren duncan what's happening what's happening part fucking two Part two. We are back, and let's 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 kick off right where we uh, left off about uh, you and uh, going into regional school. All right. So I was kicked out of
1: junior high. Thought that my whole school thing was over. Never going to get a diploma. Nothing. And then eventually, it was damn near nine months because your your summer. I was kicked out of school three months before summer's about three months. It took about another three months or so for this program to kick in. We get a letter in the mail saying there's this new program called Regional Alternative School. Hmm. And we're like, my mom and dad was like, holy shit, you better not fuck this up. We're going to sign you up for this. It was only like four days a week. It was only like four hours a day. Like, you can't fuck this up. Don't be a dumb dumb. So I get in the motherfucker. It was next to a goddamn liquor store. It was in a building that used to be an elementary school. The bottom floor was like three brothers that owned a plumbing agency. The top floor was dedicated to this fucking weird alternative program. I get in there. Have you ever seen the movie Dangerous Minds? Yes. With fucking Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. And, oh, yeah. and fucking living in a paradise. That fucking song. <laughs> it was a lot like that. I walk in there There's like 12 year old Pregnant girls There's motherfuckers With neck tattoos I'm like What the fuck Did I get myself into They're literally Throwing paper balls And airplanes I'm like What the fuck Is going on And I knew everybody In there Like I said Like you're not So goddamn tough With your fucking Neck tattoo I know the guy Who gave it to you Anyway And fuck Sit down You little fucking Pregnant whore Shut up bitch so I get in there with my fucking Mr. Cool Guy or whatever. Holy shit, Darren's here? Like, everybody knew me in this tiny little fucking town. And I kind of calmed it down for a couple of days. Like, alright, you know, quit being a fucking dick, man. We're here to learn. I want to get my diploma so I don't get fucking punched in the neck by my dad. And then, which, like, obviously wouldn't happen. I'm just joking, kind of. But, so... um I started, like, talking about Poe and, like, Shakespeare and bringing it up. There was this old lady there named Mrs. Holman. I'm so glad that I just remember this because, I, 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 dude, she was so fucking awesome. Mrs. Holman, she was like, you like Poe and Shakespeare? Like, that just blew her mind, dude. She showed me Stanley Kubrick. She showed me The Shining, the movie. And mm-hmm. she showed me fucking Clockwork Orange. She's like, if you like that shit, you're going to love this guy's movies. I'm like, what? And then I showed her Scarface. Like, she already seen Scarface, but I'm like, have you ever seen Scarface? She's like, yeah, I'm like, watch it again, let's talk about it. She's like, I'm gonna go home tonight and talk about it, you go home tonight and watch it, we'll come back the next day and we'll talk about it, and that's what we did, dude. Like, we. But she was like this old-ass lady, she's probably fucking dead now, dude, because she was old as fuck, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But she was super fucking rad, dude. And then there was this other younger chick there um, that I would play chess with and shit, she was super cool, she was only a few years older than me, but... Uh, I mean, I don't know. She was like the hit one or whatever. Like she was kind of hillbilly-ish and shit, but she was cool. But it was just fucked up hanging out with all these goofy ass kids who were a bunch of trouble making fucking dick squeezers. <laughs> and I had to do that for about a year or two. I think I want to say, I want to say I only did it for like a year, dude. Okay. But it was so weird because like I was selling drugs in that school. I was buying drugs in that school, but there was only like 12 of us. Okay. There was only like 12 fucking kids in that school. And uh, I made the, one of the coolest things I ever made in my life Remember Tech Decks? Oh, yeah. Fingerboards? Yes. A project was like, make something that you're into. And I'm like, well, I don't have a band, so I can't make a song. So I fucking made a six foot by four foot skate park out of fucking cardboard of fucking for Tech decks. Nice. And my dad had to help me bring that shit in. Oh, it shit. It was fucking gangster. You want to know what else something fucked up I did in that class? What's that? Set a girls' hair on fire. Oh, my
0: gosh. ha,
1: <laughs> ha. Yup, it was so fucked up. I feel bad about this shit. But, this girl sat in front of me. I'm not going to say her fucking name, but she sat in front of me, and she was just kind of a dirty girl. You know what I mean? Like, literally dirty. Like, you could see rings in her, the fats of her neck and shit. Oh. And,
0: uh... I, sometimes. I was...
1: Hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not calling out fat people. I'm just saying this girl was dirty. I don't know what kind of home she came from. I don't know if her parents didn't let her take baths or whatever. I don't want to talk shit about the chick. But the bitch was dirty. All right. She was a early one. You could tell that she had hairspray in her hair from, like, fucking at least a day or two oh, before. Like, wash your hair, bitch. But me, being a dickhead, my buddy sitting next to me, I'm like, watch this shit. I pull a lighter out of my fucking pocket, which you're not supposed to have in school, by the way, and I just flicked it. I didn't even hold it. I just flicked it. And her fucking hair went the fuck up, dude. I went... I'm smacking this bitch's head and I I fucking put it out and I just sat there like, like it wasn't me, but it quite obviously was. But this girl had a crush on me my whole fucking life, dude. Oh man. So like she didn't fucking tell on me, but the teachers, there was three of them. All those teachers knew I fucking did it. Everybody knew I did it. They called the cops on me She denied it to the ground. She's like, Darren didn't do it. I did it. I was messing around with a lighter. I shouldn't have had a lighter. She blamed it on herself because she fucking loved me. Man, you're so lucky that fucking... Dude, the dad came in and was being fucking Mr. Fucking Tough Guy. Yeah. Check this out. This is so fucking crazy. The dad came in wanting to press charges, which he definitely could have. Yeah. And the teacher, his name was Siegfried. That was his last name, Mr. Siegfried. Okay. And he was like, yes, you can definitely press charges. What You know, let me know. I'll call the cops now. And when that girl's dad heard my last name, he was like, Duncan. Like, Doug Duncan's son? Dirt, what? Is your dad's name Doug? Yeah, why? Never mind. I don't want to press charges. (laughs) And then my dad came in and was like, what'd you do now, boy? It's... What are you doing? You know, fucking yeah. pissed off. He walks in the classroom taking up half the fucking door frame. What'd you do now? Nothing. It's cool. We settled it. Every... Why does it smell like burr hair here? <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding kind of about that part. Yeah. But like, it was like quite obvious that I set this bitch's hair on fire. But when my dad showed up, it was like, but even beforehand, the guy was like, never mind, Fuck it. It's cool. That's like dope. I know who his dad is. You know what I mean? We could fucking, it's fine. But my dad showed up and very, very angry at me. And I deserved an ass and I didn't catch one because mm-hmm. the girl was like, he didn't do it. I did it. And I'm like, I didn't do it. She did it. Yeah. You know, so both dads were like, that little motherfucker set that girl's hair on fire.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, your dad
0: definitely knew that. But, oh,
1: everybody yeah. fucking knew yeah. it. But I lied about it. Yeah. She Even lied about it. Even the roaches
0: in the walls knew. <laughs>
1: everybody
0: fucking knew that
1: I set this girl's hair on fire. Wow. But it's just, that that was the respect that my dad had in that town, you know, ever since the 70s, they were like, well, I don't want that, I I don't want to bark up that tree, you know, but like, even my dad wouldn't have been the kind of guy to be like, oh, you press charges on my son, I'm going to break your fucking teeth, Right. my dad would have fucking, you know, I would have got in trouble, you know what I'm saying, I deserve to get in trouble, but it was just, they were like, just in case, like, I don't want to bark up that tree or whatever, which is fucking ridiculous to think about, like, Mm. looking back on that shit, but... Hey, I guess I was... That that got me out of a lot of shit. Who my dad was, dude. Uh-huh. With cops, everything. Like, there was so much shit that... Uh, like, I should have went to fucking prison. I, I probably told you the story where I should have went to prison t- till I was 21. They were going to put me in DOC from 16 to 21. And then they fucking, you know, kind of let so, it go.
0: So, talking about... You know, you're transitioning into high school now. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the regional. You ended up getting out of there. You were there for, what, a year, you said? Not even? mm mm-hmm. um, Now, we touched.
1: It was till I was old enough to go to night school. Okay. So I was there from 15 to 16. Okay. So I was there for one school year. Okay. But you got to figure, it took a few months for this program to start, like I said. there yeah. was, There was at least nine months before I even joined it. Okay. So I don't even think I did a full school year in it. Okay. But I have graduated with a high school diploma. It's fucking crazy that I ended up getting one out of this whole madness. Because I did fucking night school for five goddamn years. I didn't get my diploma until I was almost 20. Okay. Well, we'll touch, right? We're going
0: to get back to right. that later or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to that. Now, during this, this period, now I've known you for, you know, for 13 years. Um, during this time of your life, your high school you know years, when did music become something that you wanted to pursue ever since i was a little kid hanging out with my older brothers uh my older brothers
1: and my older sisters they were older than me like uh they were out of the house so whenever i'd spend the night at them they or spend the night at their house they pick me up uh the music shit happened in the car ride from my childhood home to their adult home so whatever's on the radio as much as i hate guns N' roses uh my sister lisa would be like oh it's guns N' roses listen to this song my brother would play Master of Puppets or Injustice for All, you know? Uh Um, So I would listen to those songs and they'd be like, just listen to it. Just listen to it. So I'm listening. And my brother's fucking playing drums on the fucking dashboard and the steering wheel and his fucking hi-hats, his fucking rear view mirror and shit. (laughs) And I just thought, okay, like it's music, it's cool. But watching them wanting me to like it, I'm like, this must really mean a lot to them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, to me, I didn't really fucking give a shit. Okay. You know? But, like, this must this must mean a lot to them, and they really want me to love it. So I'm going to pretend that I love it. And then my goal was to be old enough to make my own music so I can come to them and be like, listen to this fucking song. I made this song. And that's how it all, that's how I started. It all started with lyrics, obviously. Mm. I'd write a little fucking rap tune because I would mean, I'm not going to fucking sing acapella to entertain somebody. So I'd tell a funny story yeah. and I'd make it rhyme, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, one of the first things I ever wrote was, uh, dude, my brother came home one day after a breakup. And he's like, I'll tell you right now, man, you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. I had no idea what the fuck that meant. So instantly I was like, you can't turn a home into a housewife. I done cut the bitch's neck with a butter knife. I was in like fucking like fourth grade. Yeah, I'm like I'm gonna make my brother laugh by making funny tunes. So mm-hmm. I started doing that, and then writing stories. That's where Beauty and the Body Bag came in, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, th- like the whole cut a bitch's neck with a butter knife, like came from a fourth grade fucking thing. Like mm-hmm. just dark, dark. Let's make it dark. How can I fucking make it darker, darker?
0: Like, so was it more of less your music taste at the time from from your high school era? You know when you wanted to you know make the music. Were you more heavily influenced with hip-hop, or was it more of metal, or a combination of both at that time? It was what?
1: definitely metal at first.
0: Okay. It was metal at first. It was first.
1: definitely Pantera and White Zombie. Okay. Mostly Pantera.
0: Straight when does,
1: fucking Pantera.
0: When does hip-hop begin to come into play and be, becomes up to par with metal?
1: Okay. I said in the last episode that one of the first rap albums I had was East 1999, but yes. I couldn't understand a single word those guys were saying. Yeah. I didn't. I just thought it was gangster. They talked about drop with a gunshot pop. I'm like, oh, I never heard anything about the thug life shit, right? right? It wasn't until Eminem came out when I'm like, I can fucking do it too. Holy shit! But when I bought his CD, I heard rap before. Where everybody has this A-B-A-B method. Mm-hmm. They rhyme gun and fun and sun and done. But then when Eminem came out, he's doing shit like aggressive nature, sticky for you, a progressive pager. i I'm like, oh shit, like shit gets broken down into fucking syllables. So you could do A-B-C, A-A-B-B-C, like you could fucking rhyme like that. And that's when I started doing it. Okay. Like, uh, one of the first rhymes, like, after I heard Eminem, dude, and I started rhyming on my own, one of the first raps I ever wrote was, Dracula, I'm a phosphorescent fool, I'm steady smacking you, I'm lost, horrendous, and cruel. So that's like A, B, C, D, E, A, B, C, D, E. You know what I'm saying? Like, the method, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where, like, everything fucking rhymes. Now that I'm better, I'm doing shit like... I got the exposition of a mathematician magician. You're always bitching and wishing that you could be in my position. I'm assisting this to competition, and I'm pissing on your wish list. Like, shit like that. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So, it was like when Eminem came out, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I gotta fucking be like this, dude. And that's that made me even get more into Shakespeare and fucking Poe. Like, dude, I don't know if, if Shakespeare comes back into the interview at all, but, like, we can fucking get into that shit, too, because and mm-hmm. the high school shit I dug deep into that shit dug deep into it or whatever i'm fucking drunk by the way everybody this is the whole point of the interview <laughs>
0: um so so when i said so, dug deep i meant dug deep so yeah let's talk about that let's, Yeah, yeah. because you know this is this is you becoming uh you know the vocalist and the lyricist that you know this is the the genesis more or less to say during this time okay explain how Shakespeare and Poe and, you know, all these uh, main influence be- became, you know, and helped you.
1: All right. So Shakespeare really got into me because Mrs. Holman, and when I was in the alternative program, when I got old enough to go to night school, she ended up going to be a night school teacher. Okay. So, it was like, holy shit, my next year, dude, Mrs. Holman was my fucking English teacher. Now, the way night school worked, we went four days a week. So, Monday, I was there for two hours, and it was all math. And then, you know, Tuesday would be English, and then, you know, Wednesday would be history. Like, it was a subject every day, but we'd only be there for like two hours. Okay. But the, the point of being in night school is you had to have a day job. Because in Illinois, you have to have like eight hours of uh, schooling to get a diploma, okay, so you had to like on the days that we went to school for two hours, we had to have a job for six. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, yes, and like we didn't have school on Friday, so we had to work eight hours that day on Friday, like all this shit had to come into play for us to get our diploma. They were basically setting up setting us loser asshole kids up for life. Mm-hmm. does that make sense, yeah, so anyway, miss Holman fucking transferred. And she started teaching the night nice school kids. I don't want to brag, but I think a lot of it had to do with she knew how much fucking potential I had and she wanted to follow me. Mm-hmm. Because she, dude, this lady was like pushing fucking 80, dude. And and she followed me until I fucking graduated high school and then she retired, dude. I'm not saying like it was because of me. It's probably pure coincidence. Yeah. But like, I love this woman and I wish I could like I hope she's not dead, but, like, I'd love to find her. But anyway, uh, she got me into Poe. Like, I already was familiar with Poe a little bit, but, like, she taught me how to dissect the shit. And the reason why was because she would hand out Poe. Uh, the first thing she did was Hamlet's suicide soliloquy. It's when he says, to be or not to be, whether there's no in the mind of the man, you know, that shit. So everybody's reading it, and they're like, this is fucking boring. Like, what the fuck is he even talking about? And I'm like, dude, this motherfucker's sitting at the gravesite of his fucking homeboy, and he's talking about whether or not to fucking kill himself, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, so she's like, yeah, yeah, we're on that point. Let's dissect it. And then she would read a part, and she'd be like, what do you think that means? And I'm like, it means this. She's like, You're fucking right, you know what I mean? Without saying that, obviously. And then she, she just started letting me dissect shit. And then when we read further into Hamlet... The kids were still like, dude, this is so dumb. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Hamlet wants to fuck his mom. Like, Hamlet is jealous of his stepdad because his stepdad killed his fucking mom. And, like, he wants to fuck his own mother and be king. Like, this shit is fucked up. And they're like, no, it's that's not what it means. And I'm like, yeah, the fuck it does. You know, and we start talking about it. And what's funny is, like, years later, Sons of Anarchy came out. Mm-hmm. And, like, that shit was, like, super fucking based on Hamlet. It was inspired by Hamlet. huh but, um, so then after I started, like, busting out all this fucking Shakespeare shit, and she was, like, super impressed with how I could dissect it, she started doing shit, like, random shit, like, giving me Jim Croce lyrics, and she just give me, like, lyrics from the 50s and 60s and 70s of rock and roll songs. She'd be like, I liked this song when I was a little girl. I want you to read it, and I want you to rewrite it, paraphrase it, and give it to me for, like, extra credit and shit. Mm-hmm. And like that's just what I would do, dude. She would fucking challenge me, bro. She would just give me crazy shit, just some fucking song that she liked as a kid. She yeah. knew what I could fucking do, man. She knew I'm potential. not fucking bragging, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like a lot of people are, like, oh, you're so good at fucking lyrics or whatever. But yeah, dude, she would like give me some shit, and I would just fucking dissect it, man, and and give it back. And then after uh, it was, I think it was my last year in high school. Um. She showed me Poe. And Poe was. It's so. It, this might sound fucking stupid to the person who's in the literature, but Poe is sometimes harder for me to understand than Shakespeare is. Um, I don't know why. Um, Poe's much darker, and you would think I could relate to that more, but like if you if you ever fucking read Poe like he's just he's just fucking I don't know he's just weird he writes weird so it's mm-hmm. hard for me to like dissect this shit mm-hmm. but once you figure it out you're like
0: god damn, that's fucked up yeah you know what i mean yeah that's uh i mean by the way if people didn't know uh, Darren has a tattoo of a portrait it's a beautiful portrait of Poe right there on his forearm so, he's, he's not joking when he says that he... he no,
1: knows. I, I had the man's face tattooed on me. Like, <laughs> I obviously like the guy. Yes. You know? I got some living dead dolls down here, too, of Annabelle Lee and Edgar Allan Poe. Have you ever seen this? I know the podcasters can't, but... Have you ever seen that? Oh, wow. That's, like, super fucking rare, dude. That was awesome. like a... Yeah, it's pretty fucking radical. I'll show it on the YouTube channel someday. But anyway, I'm sure that everybody's so goddamn bored of me talking about Shakespeare and Poe. I hope they haven't given up already on this episode. Ask me something else. Right. Shot out of
0: a cannon. Fuck one, marry one, kill one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um. So, was there was there ever a time before in your in your life when you thought? Hey, I don't want to be a vocalist or, or you know, a hip hop artist. I want to be a drummer or guitar player. Did you ever first want to be a musician? Or was it always you wanted to be right there and speak and write and nope, never once. Never once. Never.
1: Um, not until I got older. Like, uh, after, like, being in a band, singing in a band, and yeah. realizing how fucking frustrating it is to have to agree with four other motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I want to cover this song. Oh, this sucks. All right, well, I want this design in a t-shirt. Fuck that. I want to call the CD this. Oh, fuck that. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to start, I'm going to learn how to play the piano, the drums, the bass, the guitar, and the goddamn cello, and I'm going to start covering Disney songs, bitch. And I'm going to be the most famous YouTuber of all time. But I don't know how to do those things. But if I could do that, I swear to God, Townstone, I would, if I could, I would play the piano and I would sing. If I could play the piano, that would be the instrument that I want to pick up. And I would love to be able to play the piano and just sing dumb shit to my kids. Hakuna Matata. Da, dum, dum, dum. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Just fuck around on the piano all day. But like, when I name? got a room full of homies... I'd yeah. just be like, take those panties off and just like fuck around <laughs> and start fucking playing the piano. <laughs> yeah, just like fucking get down like the greatest singer of all time, Brennan Urie. You know what I'm saying? Well, I had no idea about that. Oh. No. You, a, a lot of people don't yeah. know that Brennan Urie is the greatest singer of all time. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> but they do now. Because <laughs> episode number two. <laughs> or one, three, four, five, six because yeah. I consistently talk about it.
0: <laughs> this
1: guy's wearing a NASA t-shirt. You know what? NASA stands for. Never a straight answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: all right, so bastards. All right, so where's the UFOs now? We so, gotta change the name from UFO to fucking unidentified aerial phenomenon. Bastard, fucking assholes. It's a bunch
0: of bullshit. I'm telling you, aliens are coming. What's question number thirty-four? Question number 369 Here, here we go. So. I met you during a time yeah. when you were a vocalist of a band here in Rockford called Burn the Earth. Now, oh, yeah, tell me about tell me about that period of your life when you were uh, obviously you're an adult at this time. You know, um, twenty. How, how did how did that band start? How did you finally become that metal vocalist that you wanted to to you know become? Oh um,
1: man, that that's a fun story. Um, I'll try to make it fun anyway. So. I tell mommy and daddy I want to be a singer. What are you going to do with your life? I want to sing heavy metal music. Okay, well, what does a heavy metal music singer need? A PA system. All right, well, where are we going to go to buy one? Gazardo's. Okay, cool, let's go to Gazardo's. This is before fucking Guitar Center came into town and shit. Okay. So mommy takes me down to, guitar, or to Gazardo's, and I'm thinking I'm going to get, because uh, at that time I had a drummer friend. His name was Curtis. It was just me and a kid that I knew how to play drums. Mm-hmm. Better than anybody in this fucking whole area, by the way. Mm-hmm. This dude is the shit, but he's off the grid now. But me and him played drums. Or he played drums. I sang. Cool, we'll find guitar players. there are a fucking dime a dozen. <laughs> First thing I need is a fucking PA. Yeah. Mom takes me to Gazzardo's. <clears throat> and I'm thinking I'm going to get a speaker the size of this mini fridge right here. You know what I mean? And right. a little tiny Bob Barker microphone or some shit. I start telling the guy, hey man, I want to be in a band, you know, I want to sing, play shows, what, what, can, what do I need? And he's like, well, you're going to need more than a Bob Barker microphone. And then he starts looking up shit on the fucking internet and showing me stuff that they can order. And I'm like, eh, whatever. And then the fucking manager, like, walking in the room, like, what are you guys doing? I don't know if he could tell my mom was high class or whatever, like, this lady's here to spend some money.
0: Yeah.
1: He's like, follow me. And then he flat out, he didn't make eye contact with me at all. Because he knows I'm not there with the money. Yeah. Mommy's there to spend money. <clears throat> Your son wants to sing in a band. I'm going to show you the best equipment that we have. I'll tell you how much it costs. And then we'll work our way down from there. And like that makes fucking total sense, right? Yeah. So my mom's like, okay, cool. So he's like, I got these two 15-inch SP-5s, the Scorpions. I got this XRG600 PV. I got this Diamond Cut Series PV microphone. It's going to cost about this much. It was like $4,500, I think, if I remember. He looks at my mom, ready for her to be like, fuck no. That's insane. The guy in the back room was showing me a fucking speaker for $150. Yeah, That's what he thought. My mom looked at me and was like, you're going to use this, right? And I'm like, every day, Mom, every fucking day I'm going to use this. She's like, dude, this is your high school graduation present, your birthday present, and your Christmas present all in one. Man. But I'll I, I'll fucking get it if you're going to
0: use it. Mm-hmm. And she fucking bought it, dude. And to this day, I own it. <laughs> <laughs> Not only does he own it, but I remember you let me borrow it. I that, rented it to you. you, you yeah. Maybe fifty bucks a month Fifty to bucks use a it. month, yeah. I even got to 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 use it, and it still works today. You still use it in your band, yeah. And then I'm in a um, relic right now, and yeah. I, But we'll, we'll touch on it. Uh, it's at our
1: it's at our practice space right now. I use oh. it to this day. I, I
0: told you, mom, I'd never get rid of it. So I still got for it. Being a great son, and uh, keeping your word to your mom. <laughs> um. So now you got this. You know, bad... No. The fact is, I can't afford a new one. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I will never. Just
1: for the 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 fact alone, like, I'll never forget that moment and how much faith they had in me. Yeah. Because like my my dad didn't go with. He just he probably wrote half the check or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But um, just the they probably knew like my son's not going to be a fucking famous rock star, but I sure as fuck thought I was going to be one mm-hmm. at that time at like 19 or whatever. Um, so that memory alone, like I'll, I'll never get rid of that. I don't care if that thing um, is so old to the point to where, you know, um, people that fucking look at the ancient hieroglyphics and they see my PV and they're like that thing fucking, you know, was built by the Jews and was sent over on the Mayflower or whatever. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's just old as fuck dirt, but uh, I'll never get rid of it. I'll it's, keep it still sounds fucking top tier. It does. It's it really all right. does. I'll never get rid of it. I so, love that thing. So now you got this bad. You want to buy it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I, like, you should have
0: seen his face. He's like, what?
1: I thought you just went under rent. Now you never get rid of it.
0: So anyways. Anyways. You got this badass top tier gear. Yeah. So how's how's Burn the Earth Assemble? <laughs>
1: So, fucking, alright, so me and Curtis, uh, we started as a two man group, and then we found our homeboy Brian. He played the guitar for us. We had one song called Born in the Deathbed, and we played that motherfucker every goddamn day for eight hours straight. We had one fucking song, man. And that, that was it, you know? And then we had a yeah. chorus. You know what I mean? Yeah. We played that motherfucker every single day for eight hours. It was called Born on the Deathbed. And we were called Akeldama.
0: Okay.
1: And Akeldama is... Uh, what's the fucking language that fucking Jesus spoke? Aramaic?
0: Okay.
1: So uh, when when Judas... Judas turned in Jesus, uh-huh. right? For the pieces of 30 silver. 30 pieces of silver. silver. He, he used that 30 pieces of silver to buy a piece of land. And he hung himself on that piece of land because he felt so guilty. And they called that piece of land a keldama, which is Aramaic for field of blood. Okay. So we call ourselves a keldama.
0: That's a badass
1: name. Right? Uh, it's fucking Thug thug Rylan. It's yeah. Gangster Rony Chef Homeboy oh, yeah. R.D. I love it to Next this time. fucking day, and I would love to use that as a band name, mm-hmm. CD title, something. Yeah. It's too good to let go. Yeah. So then, uh, there was... Motherfuckers, fine. Let's get in on this shit. So there was this other fucking band that I tried out. They were called fucking Rain or Ruin or some gay shit. And I tried out for that fucking band, and they didn't like me for whatever reason. I think they were trying to steal my PA.
0: Because okay. I went over
1: there, and I fucking jammed with them. They're like, oh, yeah, you're the fucking shit. Why don't you leave your PA over here? I'm like, fuck you. I'm putting this shit in my fucking Daytona, and I'm going home. Yeah. Never got called back to try out again, right? Andrew Reverts, fuck you, was in that fucking band. He works at fucking your joint now. Yeah. So that little motherfucker, he was there, and he uh, um, was in that Rain of Ruin fucking shit band or whatever for a long time. And then he, uh, so this fucking other band that I tried out for, I think they wanted to seal my PA, but I'm not sure, whatever, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, that band ended up falling through because they sucked, and then their guitar player ended up joining our fucking band, and we were called the Keldama, right? And Brian and Andrew were like brother-in-laws, basically, so he fucking, Andrew fucking joined in, whatever, Claiming to be the lead guitar player, but neither one of them fucking played leads. That's neither here nor there. I'm going to say a lot of neither here nor there shit and just talk shit about these people because fuck them in the face with a Tucson Cactus and a rubber chainsaw. But anyway, um, they uh, eventually one day we were drinking beers and I'm like, fuck it. Like, let's not call it a keldemo Let's call it Deficant Other. We were going to call it Deficant Other because mm. like significant other is like your girlfriend, boyfriend, Well, the defecant other is the one that you just shit on. Like, fuck that motherfucker. Fuck that person. I hate him. You don't care about him. So we were called defecant other. Well, then I got mad at everybody in the band like I tend to do every once in a while. And I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm going to fucking rap in my basement. And then I uh, got a call one day and they're like, hey, dude, like, come on. Quit being mad at us. Join the band again. But by the way, we're called burn the earth. And I'm like, that's so fucking stupid. (laughs) That's like the stupidest fucking band name I've ever heard in my entire goddamn life. Because it's so simple.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, let's be metal, bro. Like, okay, fine. Let's be a metal band. So, like, what should we call ourselves? I don't know. Blood Sponge? Like, (laughs) no, that's kind of, you know, dumb. How about Burn the Earth? And I'm like, that's kind of stupid stupid, you know, like, what the fuck, so anyway, so the the way it happened was Andrew worked at fucking Guitar Center, and those fucking three amigos, they were hanging out in the parking lot on Smoke Break or whatever, and they're like, you guys ready to practice today? Yeah, bro, let's have band practice today, let's call Darren over so he could fucking rejoin the band, okay, well, since he's not in the band, uh, what are we gonna call the band? I don't care what we call the band, let's just burn the earth with our metal. So that's what they decided to call the band, was oh, Burn the Earth. My God. So I fucking rejoined, and I'm like, really? We went from a Keldama, some super-biblical, poetic shit, to Burn the Earth? Fucking douche clowns. I remember you So guys I fucking space. sang in that. Oh, it was so fun. I had nothing to do with that shit. Yeah,
0: it was literally So I like... sang
1: in that fucking band. It was cool, but every riff was the same. Fuck those guys. <laughs> but I was in that band for a long time, man, and it got me popular, you know? Like a man. lot of the old-school cats... You know, um a lot of the older guys they uh they, that's why I have the respect from the older cats, like Tim Bourbon and Paul Bogdanis and and like the guys from Warmouth Mouth and shit, yeah. they remember me from those days. Yeah. So like, dude, I remember when you fucking weren't even old enough to be in a bar and you were a fucking rowdy son of a bitch. You can ask Rev about me fucking knocking people out on the smoke deck being a dickhead, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so I had that going for me from burning earth, baby. Yeah. And then it just, and then fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and so then uh, I got sick of that bullshit and uh, went fucking silent. And then I'm like, okay, I thought guitar players were a dime a dozen, but I can't find any, I can't find any good drummers, and thus was born Joey Columbine. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to start rapping. So you pretty much quit the band? Yeah, like, I I mean, I think we all kind of just quit each other. Like, we never had a discussion. Nobody kicked anybody out or anything. We were just, I just fell apart. You know, we were just like, all right, you know, you missed practice, you know, someone missed practice this week. The other guy, Mrs. Practical, you know, all right, no practice, no practice, no practice, no practice. And we just kind of like, poof, fuck it, yeah. Fun. But I remember them little fucking faggots. Were, fuck, I'm, I can't, I'm not supposed to say that word. I'm so sorry for that. These, uh, I, I grew up at a different time in the 90s when you can call your best friends that word. But anyway, these little fucking dick-squeezing douchebags um, with the MySpace days, like, actually had the balls, the pulse on their, uh, that they were looking for a singer. And I'm like... But you're still called Burn the Earth when you're looking, like, you can keep the name, I don't care, but yeah. like, like just do something different. Like, you're holding on to my shit, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I'm, it was Darren, you know what I'm saying, was a singer of that band, and everyone kind of yeah. knew about that as that. Yeah. And I'm like, just start a new fucking band, man. But like, they, uh, they were, they were like being, like, douchey about it, but, um, no, and, and, it, it's straight up, like really nobody quit or anything. Um, it just kind of fell apart. But after a few months, they did want to start jamming again. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. And then, so they were like looking for a singer or whatever. And then like, I won't lie. Like that's when I got mad because I'm like, well, that's fucking
0: stupid. Just start a new band. You <laughs> know what I mean? Um, when you, when you look back on it today, do you miss that band? Do you miss the music you guys made? Like, was it, was the music that the songs and the lyrics that you wrote for the, any of those songs, like, memorable? Like, were you ever really proud of uh, of your work that you did there? The drummer was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: The best drummer I've ever worked with. He was so easy to work with. And that's about it. It's some of the best lyrics I've ever written in my entire life. Like, If Parasites Ruled the World was such a fucking dope song. Um Buried or Born in a Deathbed. Yep. Was a great fucking song. Uh Fire at Will was a great song.
0: You guys covered a lot of uh you guys covered uh, We covered Omerita, Omerita. Omerita, yep, I remember By that. Lamb of
1: God. Yeah. Um which like a thing about covers is like I hate covering songs that are already metal. Yeah. Like I'd rather cover fucking Poker Face by Lady Gaga or something. Or Crimea River by Justin Timberlake. Why cover a metal, if you're a metal band, why cover a metal song? If It's already been done. Right. We've already heard it as metal. Right. You're not going to make it any fucking better. Uh-huh. You're going to make it less cool, as a matter of fact. Exactly. Take a song that's catchy and not metal and make it metal. Yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, we did cover Omerta. But as far as missing anything about that band, I guess the innocence of it all... Uh-huh. Like, being 21, thinking I was going to be the next Randy Blythe.
0: Okay.
1: And, uh, just partying. Uh-huh. But... That comes with being in the band. I was a fuck... I've done... I I did a lot of bad things when I was in that band. You yeah. know, I did a lot of grimy shit. I wasn't breaking into people's houses or fucking, you know, like, hurting anybody, but I just did a lot of fucked up shit in that band. Um. So, like, that I don't miss. Like, the rock star life or whatever, like... Was, we fucking played in bars. It was a glorified band practice. You know what I mean? That's really yeah. all it was, but it's how I, it really
0: is. I, mean, I, I do miss
1: the drummer very much. I miss Curtis very much. I'd love to hang out with him again. And he's, he's the best drummer to ever hit the scene in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the lyrics I wrote back then were, were good because I didn't hold back at all. Like I said, every fuck like now, I say everything I want to say, but I still have that consciousness, that wall where I'm like, well, don't say that. So then, but now I'm smart enough to like turn it into a metaphor to where they don't exactly know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. So I'll twist it and be like, oh, well maybe, you know, that's not what he meant. But back then I just fucking said it,
0: okay. you know what I mean? So like you were saying before, I cut you off way like minutes ago. So the band ends up pretty much just dissolving. Naturally. yeah. Now you're here by yourself and you're thinking, fuck it. I'm going to do something where it's just me. And that is the birth of Joey Columbine. Yeah. Now, how the hell did that happen? Um, When I was in Burn the Earth, I was like, I'm going to make up names
1: for everybody. I'm like, you're fucking Mr. Fister. Your name's Tommy Gunn. Your name's Justin Sane. Your name's Billy Sick It." And they're like, well, what's your fucking name going to be? I'm like, And the first thing I said was, like, uh, Johnny Columbine. I said Johnny. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, oh, that's too punk rock, the yeah, Johnny, Johnny thing. So I thought about it, I'm like, Joey Columbine. Because Joey seems more mafioso. Like, hey, Joey, come over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, like, it was just, just something stupid that we just did. It wasn't real. We never had CDs with our names in the fucking booklet. Yeah, It was just a dumb thing that we talked about at practice. So when the rap thing came... It was just natural for me to go to Joey Columbine. Mm-hmm. but I my whole thing was I wanted to be controversial because at that point, it was right around 9/11 and shit and I'm like controversial is a fucking cash crop dude.
0: yeah,
1: you know, and like Columbine, yeah, obviously was a fucking tragic event in high school in Colorado, April 20th, 1999. But Columbine is also a very beautiful flower. Mm -hmm. So if it ever came down to it, I could be like, it's a fucking, that's my name. My name is Joey Columbine. It's a fucking flower. It's not about that. But, my dumb ass wore the trench coat and things like that. But that's why I wanted that whole thing to be wrapped into it. You know what I mean? I wanted to be an asshole. I remember,
0: I remember a long time ago, I remember when you said, uh, Yellow Wolf actually peeped one of your tracks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that's where he uh, ended up mentioning a trench coat um in yeah. one of the songs um, i was kind of pissed about that yeah <laughs> and i was like damn um, you know yeah like i listened to it Rocking now a
1: trench coat in a black hoodie banging the heavy metal music yeah and i was like what the fuck but that that's probably purely coincidental maybe another thing yeah. that pissed me off is i did an interview on the internet and they asked me to do a freestyle and i said uh I'm the host of the show, like David Letterman. I get bitches wetter than a Navy Seal veteran, and then years later, Nicki Minaj. I guarantee you that Nicki Minaj did not see this interview. Obviously, okay. It was some stupid fucking freestyle I did on the internet. But that bitch literally said, "I get wetter than a Navy Seal veteran," and I was so fucking mad when I heard that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm like, what the fuck? Like I well, wrote that uh, shit a well, long she, time ago. You know, like, she
0: never. She, you know what? I don't even get off subject, but she doesn't write her lyrics. None of probably those big, not. None of those big guys do. It's some big fat white guy who's sitting in the back of the studio, like, oh yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh, say this. You know, right? Like you, you, you buy a Britney Spears album, and there's your lyrics, and it says written by, Mike, Zuckerberg, yeah. and John. Right. You know cliché I heard that uh Jay-Z hired like
1: a, a, an insane amount of uh studio musicians to write Beyonce's last album or whatever. <laughs> it was like over 30 people like Beyonce had nothing to do with it. What the hell? They just hired people who are like hey, write a great fucking album. My bitch is going to come in there and sing the shit.
0: Okay. But
1: like to me, like where's your where, where's your artistry in that? Yeah, like, how can you call yourself an artist at that point? You're just yeah. a, you're just a, a, an attractive lady with big tits and a big butt.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? But they're already made. Right. They already got enough money to live six, seven, eight, nine, ten lifetimes on. Exactly. So, like, are you do? But at that point, are you doing it for the fans? Right. Because I don't think so. Mm-hmm. At that point, I would think you're just doing it for another fucking check. Mm-hmm. Which I get it, but to me, I'm a quote unquote artist. Like I just like getting my shit out there. Right. Like venting or whatever. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want other people to write my shit. It'd be dope to like think about the fact like I don't gotta fucking put all my effort into writing this shit and showing up every day to the studio. You mean I could just show up and fucking scream and make a fucking ten million dollars? Sweet. But where's the artist shit in that, you know what I mean?
0: Um Like we were saying uh, with Joey Columbine, when you started accumulating, you know, your fans and everything, did that ever change your writing process or you always stayed the same? Like you never thought, fuck, I should write a song that's going to be more hype to get my crowd, you know, moshing or should I, you know, was it naturally like Death Bell Lullabies was... Your one and only album that you did put out for mm-hmm. Columbine,
1: right, I never even officially put it out, right. I mean, you can do that though, yeah,' Because you have all the songs if you want to actually press them on an album, yeah, and I'll you know what I mean, I'll obviously mm-hmm. pay you for it, and we'll collab on it and make artwork and I already got you know like the idea with the with the with the feet and the toe tag and all that, yeah, but you're right. I did make one
0: c d you had an album
1: worth yeah, yeah,
0: Death uh, Bell Lilibis. yeah,
1: Deathbed lullabies yep. right,
0: so um, so that it was it was really dark. Um, what was your question about when you were, when you got done, well, well, I mean, like you said to you, it wasn't an album, but when you started right. uh, accumulating hype here and they won five, you know, metal and hip hop scene, were you affected by, by your fans? Like, man, I really fucking love beauty in the body bag. Uh, you know, or right. I love, you know, still shining, you know, right. And then there's people who are saying that they didn't like that or they like more of this and that. Did you have to write to your fans or did you just say, fuck it, I hey, this is me and I'm just going to keep doing what I no. do? No.
1: Um, the, the Deathbed Lullabies things was like, it comes, I mean, you know these songs. They yeah. came from the darkest places of my, the deepest, darkest places of my brain that I could think of. <laughs> and the songs that I was playing live, I fucking hated Like, I didn't even like them. I look back on that CD and I'm like, that shit is pure garbage, bro. But there's people to this day that is like, dude, Beauty and the Body Bag is like one of my favorite songs ever. And I'm like, ever? Like, have you ever fucking heard of the Beatles? You know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, this shit is fucking terrible. But um, I did start to transition into metal because I wanted, because I was sick of fucking playing metal shows. At five o'clock in the fucking afternoon. I'm I'm opening up for fucking head goddamn PE. I'm opening up for fucking kitty and OTEP and all these heavy fucking bands like Dope and shit, Cycle mm-hmm. Stick, all these heavy bands are coming into town. I'm selling just as many fucking tickets as these other bands are. Mm-hmm. There's a band with five motherfuckers in it. They have to sell thirty fucking tickets to get on this gig. I'm one guy, a rapper. I alone sell 30 tickets or more, but I still got to fucking play at 5 o'clock because I'm a fucking rapper because I don't fit into the fucking metal crowd because the people that are showing up to see metal bands don't want to see a fucking rapper. So I got to go on fucking first before anybody gets there. That's when I started getting the fucking irritated because I'm like, bitch, I'm not a rapper. I'm a front man without a fucking band. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So then I started getting into the, I I do the rap songs, but a little heavier. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's how that kind of fucking progressed into the, into the fucking yeah, heavier cop, music yeah. shit. That's
0: the thing with, uh, you know, even hip hop artists at the time, you know, they know that Joey Columbine is Joey Columbine. It's like Johnny Cash. You can't say Johnny Cash is country. You know what I'm saying? You can't say Joey Columbine is, is, is hip hop or metal. It's Joey right. Columbine. Right. I got pissed so. the first time I ever got called a rapper because I got turned down for a
1: festival. It was called Breastfest. And uh, they were looking for acts. That weren't that popular, and they were looking for unconventional acts. Like, oh, we always have metal bands and, and country bands. We're looking for someone on the unconventional side that can open up the festival. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right here, raise my hand. And they're like, oh, no rappers allowed. I'm like, motherfucker, I'm not a rapper. Like I said, I was a frontman without a yeah. band. But, I, I mean, what are you going to do? You right. know what I mean? So, I just fucking... That's why I wish
0: that... That's where Devolve came in and yeah. shit. Yeah, so let's let's talk about Devolve now. So, the end of Columbine cycles out, right? So, I fucking got pissed
1: at everybody and was like, fuck you, I'm walking away, I'm fucking done forever. And I made a post on Facebook saying, like, fuck all of you motherfuckers.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm done with your bullshit, selling more tickets than you and playing the same fucking shows as you. And uh, Jason Graciana messaged me. He's like, hey, man, I've always thought of you as a frontman without a band. I have a band that needs a frontman. Why don't you come over this weekend? Cool. So I went over there, or before I went over there, I'm like, email me what you got, like some songs. And they fucking emailed me. I did it the fucking way you and I communicated yeah. back in the day with fucking, They laughs at me and shit. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, fucking email me the fucking instrumental or whatever. Just rough basement fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. And they emailed me a song, and I fucking, I had all my studio set up shit from when we recorded so I recorded my vocals on it, boom, I sent it back to them within like a couple hours, and they were like, oh damn, Like they were probably impressed, like, who the fuck does that, you know? Yeah, come over this weekend. So I came over and sang, and the rest was history, and like they, to this day they give me shit because I went over, sang, and they're like, fuck yeah dude, you're in the band. Alright, awesome, this is the shit. But riding my own coattails as Joey Columbine, first thing I did was book a show. We had no goddamn songs or nothing. I'm like, I'm in a new band. I'm super stoked, you know? Take 20. Yep. I'm like, I'm in a new fucking band. Let's fucking, let's get on a fucking show. And Rick of On My Six was like, hey man, we're looking for an opener for our CD release party. And uh, the fucking next thing we know, like fuck, we had like two or three weeks to repair. So we had to write like nine fucking songs. That's why all of our songs were like two and a half, three and a half minutes long. You know what I mean? We just fucking banged out a set. You know what I'm saying? that's just what we did. Overall,
0: with Devolve, how did you uh, how did you enjoy it? Do you look back on it as uh, something you're proud of? Or? I fucking hated being in that band for the simple fact that like I uh, everything every,
1: every all of my ideas were shit. Nobody liked my fucking ideas. Every fucking the everything that I wanted to cover or designs on shirts or whatever. I went over this earlier. We we disagreed and argued about fucking everything, and I. Fucking hated that shit. The only reason why I stayed in that band for so long is because it was so popular. People loved that fucking band Mm -hmm. for some reason. And it's crazy to me because the songs aren't even that intricate. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, no offense to anybody, but none of us were any good. There was no, like, double bass or blast beats. There was no fucking, like, really gnarly bass riffs. There was no guitar solos. It was a four-piece forward metal band that didn't know what the fuck we were doing but we were catchy and people fucking loved it. And what pisses me off is now I'm in Relic which I think I'm surrounded by some of the most talented fucking people in this scene. But people like Devolve evolve more. And I think it's because their brains are so dumbed down musically they would rather hear that fucking chant catchy pop bullshit than they would rather hear me Say lyrical, miracle, depressant, and a lesson, and a than and then a breathman investment. You know what I mean? They right. would rather fucking hear the, you and I refuse, refuse to die. They'd rather hear that shit than the fucking, the, the,
0: like the deftones, the snot, the fucking, the real shit. Mm-hmm. And, and just like in most music, they always say simple is better, simple is easier, simple is popier, simple is, you know what I mean? If it's simple, it's good. Less you know? is more. Exactly. Less is more. Right. Um, so from from Devolve, we we know how you feel about Devolve. Now Relic, as of as of today, how how are you feeling about your band and where's it gonna go? You know where does it go from here? Where are you guys going next? You know are you guys recording? Or are you guys, you know, let's talk about it. Um, we just play it
1: day by day. Seriously, like I don't take this serious. Mm-hmm. I don't take this new, uh, I love this fucking band that I'm in, and it's by far the best band that I've ever been in, and some of the best songs I've ever written is with this band. But I'm too fucking old to give a fuck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love, like, I seriously love people in my band, like brothers. And I love, I, I love hanging out with them at cookouts more than I love jamming. Because I just don't fucking care anymore, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm just too old to fucking give a shit. I hate playing shows, man. And, like, it's crazy because, like, when I have a show, all day long I wake up and, like, God damn it, I have a fucking show today? This fucking sucks. And I got to fucking get mentally prepared. I know, messed,
0: you mess mess me, like... Brush off... Are you coming to my fucking show, man? Like, yeah, I'll be there. I, I like familiar faces. Yeah, yeah. I need people like you to be there. Yeah. Because
1: I wake up and I brush off the anxiety and all the bullshit and put on the Joey Columbine face and pretend to be a fucking rad dude and shower and shave and all this fucking bullshit and look cool and <laughs> what fuck... Dude, what shirt am I going to wear? Mm-hmm. Should I have a bandana in my left pocket or right pocket? I got to look yeah. cool today. Because I got to impress 30 fucking people. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But then I get there, ball of anxiety, hate this fucking shit. I'd rather be at home watching fucking child's play, eating fucking Papa John's. But I get four or five beers in me, and then I'm a fucking rock star. You know what I mean? Then out. I love it. it. Comes out again. And then as soon as I'm off stage. Oh man, you look cool with your contacts. Let's take some pictures. I take some pictures. It's fucking rad. It's cool. Smoke cigarettes. The adrenaline wears off and I'm like I'd rather be home watching Chucky and fucking pepperoni pizzas, you know what <laughs> I mean? I just it's so fucking strange, dude. But there is shit that I say in this band lyrically that I thought I would never get off, especially after my fucking all my siblings are gone, dog. Like the song Another Day Above Ground, I would have never been able to write Mm -hmm. without this band. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, I lost two sisters in the same fucking year, bro. Like, within four months, both of my sisters fucking died. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if I wasn't in a band and my two sisters died? Yeah. All those lyrics would be would just be shit written on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. That's all it would be. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm in a fucking band, Relic... I can fucking sing that shit.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. When I feel all fucked up about my fucking day or whatever, dude, now it's not piece, It's not words on paper anymore. I'm in my fucking 30s. I don't want to be in a band. I know I'll never be famous. I don't want to fucking play shows. But if I really want to, I can go to the fucking jam spot on Sunday and practice if I want to. Uh-huh. And I could fucking sing that shit. Or I could play a show in front of 30 people in front of people that I love. That's why I try to ask my homies to come. Mm-hmm. So I can play the shit in front of them. So they can fucking hear it, dude.
0: Mm-hmm. So that... It's good being told that you're good. Mm-hmm. But not not only that, music is an outlet. It's an extension. It's the way to... You know, for you to... And it,
1: it's gonna live longer than me. Yep. If and I can record this shit... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna fucking live forever, dude. So when I'm fucking gone... My kids can like... Listen to that music and be like... That's how my fucking dad fell at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... That song... a fucking The song by Relic... Uh, uh, upon a Star. I wrote that song for my kids, dude.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Luna knows that shit. Mm-hmm. And she loves that fucking song. You mm-hmm. know? That song is gonna live longer than me, dude. Right. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna
1: die someday... And Luna will have that fucking song... On a CD for the rest of her fucking life. Yeah. She could show her kids when she's 30, my dad wrote this song for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is what your grandpa sounded like. hmm You know what I'm saying? And that's a
0: beautiful thing, you know? That's cool. Yeah. It's all right. mm-hmm. So with, with that, you know, being endless and timeless, um, Overall, I mean, these two, these two parts, we've really touched base with, um, with so much of your life, you know, uh, who you are, who you were, but we didn't really get to talk about the present as much as we are today. And I wanted to talk about, you know, the story of, you know, your wife and your beautiful children. Where did that begin? Where does this fall into play? of, you know the man you are today, the father you are, how do you structure that with your music life and and how that all began? Sir, so repeat the question. I'm playing with a spider. What'd you say? Okay. hold on. Pause. Take the spider.
1: So you good, man? You don't got no spider on you, do you? Got spider guts on
0: you? Nope, no spider guts. Just a couple. Alright, what of was cobwebs. the what was the question again? I apologize. So everything about your. Uh... Your childhood, we talked about. You know, your your young life, all the way leading up into your, uh, into your adult life. We touched a little bit about that, and then of course all your music projects. And what I want to talk about next is your family, your family that you created, the the beautiful children that you, you're a father to. The moon and the wolf, you know, the moon and the wolf, and of course you know your beauty of the night. You know, right? I want to talk about them and how. That story came to be, and how you were able to structure and fit in, because it doesn't matter who the fuck you are and what what type of art you you express, you always have to make room for that when you become a father right. or a mother, yeah, or you know, it's it's very hard to structure that out.
1: Right. I want to say everything changed when that started, but it really it didn't. It gradually changed, like we talked about earlier, about how just. Uh, Picking up pieces along the way, but like when I like when I met Dora, man, I knew for a fact, I'm like, alright, this is the rest of my life. This is the first step to the rest of my life. I don't know where it's going, but I know this is the rest of my life. Yeah. And dude, um, we were together for four fucking months, and we were like, let's move in together. And everybody around us was like, you guys are idiots, why would you do that? You don't even fucking know each other. And like we were trying to rent houses and nobody would rent to us. We've been together for four months. We I had my she worked at a gas station. I worked at Lowe's for like four fucking months, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, No one's gonna rent to you young kids. Yeah. <laughs> and uh but my my dad died and he left me that house, that inheritance of the house in the hood. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I got a house in the hood, let's live there. She's like, I don't wanna live in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, this is our next step. Like, we're in love, let's do it. Yeah. So we moved into this fucking cool house, and a shit hood, and four months after that, we're like, let's have a baby. So we just started fucking banging, man, and you know how we fucking had a baby? Big Lebowski. You ever seen that movie? Yes, of course. So in the Big Lebowski, uh, the dude nails one of my favorite redheads of all time. I forgot her fucking name. Julianne Moore, and uh, he's like, you know, after they, you know, do the thing thing. He's sitting there making a white Russian, and she's sitting there rocking back and forth, and he's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to conceive. (laughs) He spits out his white Russian. So uh, we're we're approaching an hour. Now, uh, to end this, the homie asked me how I made my family. Well, my wife's uterus is tilted, so if you want to hear the rest of the story about how I created the goddamn Duncan clan... And what Duncan may mean in Scottish. You have to listen to part fucking three, I guess.
0: Yep. yeah. So go ahead and end your thing, man. You got 20 seconds. I'm Tom Stone. And uh, this was a very, very fun. Very good time. And uh, like I said, I'm very humbled. And I love you. You're my brother. I've known you for 13 years. And I'm glad to do this. And I will see you all in part three. Then we'll wrap this up.
1: You were now exiting the house of a thousand.